One, one. Can you all hear me? Praise the Lord, everybody. All right, we got to do a little better than that. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen, amen. Uh, I just want to, uh, before I get started, I just want to say uh, thank you very much for having us here today. Um, Pastor Adam, appreciate, you know, everything that you've done thus far, man. And what's crazy about the kingdom of God is that I didn't know him six months ago or a year ago. And uh, it's just amazing how God can connect uh, kindred spirits and how he can, he has a purpose and a vision for every single one of us. And I believe that this is a, a, uh, a connection that God has put in place. Thank you so much for allowing us to come here today and, and, uh, and, and share, you know, and, and, and minister to you guys. It's our honor, our privilege. Um, want to, first and foremost, my wife over here is already boo-hooing on the front row. Uh, Paul, if you could stand, please. This is my lovely wife. Uh, <laughs> and I'm going to share a little bit. I got my sons here, uh, Mr. Tall over here, CJ, <laughs> Kylan, and then I got Caden. And so those are my three boys here. And I also have some of my, uh, uh, my fellow beloved workers with me from Harmony. If you all would just stand for a minute, uh, thank you very much. But um, I, I, Adam called me about a week or so ago, and, and he asked me um, if I would come and share and speak to you guys. And um, within minutes of hanging up the phone, it, it was no, you know, no doubt in my mind what God wanted me to speak. He immediately put a, a, a word in, in, my, uh, in my heart to share with you guys. Uh, before I get into that, I'm just going to give a quick background of, you know, where I came from, who I am. Um, I am a Brazilian native. I was born in Brazil. My parents came up here in 1980 to help a uh, pastor, co-pastor a church in the Portuguese language, and that was back in 1980. And so we came up here with my family. I was six years old and was born into ministry. My dad ended up helping him, and then he ended up planting about a dozen churches around the New England area, uh, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Connecticut. Uh, we would just go from one place to the next. I remember at one point, my dad believed in planning so much that at one point we had three churches at one time. And so we would go to uh, Lowell, Massachusetts, set up, have service, tear down, drive to Peabody, Massachusetts, set up, have service, tear down, drive to Framingham, Massachusetts, set up, have service, tear down, and come home. So we know a little bit about exhaustion. <laughs> But, uh, but he knew, you know, it was just his heart, and so uh, it was kind of like built in us. Um, but that was back in the 80s, and then I came here to, uh, to Columbus in 1992 to attend World Harvest Bible College, and that's where I met my uh, lovely wife, and the rest is history. Uh, I had a, uh, I, I, I want to get into a, a, a message today w that I call Seasons. Um, I actually shared this, and I preached this. Uh, to my church last last year, and I believe that it's it's very pinpointed and divine for you guys where you guys are at as a congregation uh, this morning. Um, so if you would, uh, just stand up for a minute. Father God, I just thank you for this time. Pray, Lord God, that you may hide me behind your cross. I ask, Lord God, that you may minister to these people, Lord God, allow them to sense your presence. Father God, let the seed of your word be planted deep and firm. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. 
Um, I, uh, <laughs> uh, let's see here. Of course, my computer's not going to turn on. That's why I brought paper. Always a backup. Amen. But um, how many knows that we are living in time of seasons? Th- this this year, this few weeks ago, uh, with the zero degrees weather that was extended for so long, um, how many was ready for the season to change right then and there? <laughs> I know I was. And uh, it's very difficult sometimes to be in a place or to have a season uh, that exhausts you, that wears you down, that ties you down, a season sometimes when you don't understand what's going on. Uh, but there's always a purpose for a season. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is a God of seasons. Come on, let your other neighbor know, say, God is a God of seasons. And I have a couple of questions to ask you guys uh, right here, and which is this. What would your life look like if you had meaning and purpose? And could God be leading you into a path of uncertainty? Or God may already have answered your why me, God, questions, but are we listening? How many has ever asked the question, why me, God? Why am I going through what I'm going through? Why is this so difficult in my life? And if, and if I'm, I'm kind of um, kind of limping a little bit because uh, I had a, you know, Pastor Adam, when I came in, I had an accident yesterday. I, we were at the church working, and I stepped on the nail, and it went way up in there and all that. And so yesterday, last night, I was in the emergency room and saying, oh, God, what am I going to do? Lord, help me, please. And so, uh, thank God I don't preach with my foot. Amen. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, amen, amen. <laughs> so, anyways, the question, why me, God, questions, but are we listening? There's so many times that God has a specific thing that he wants to do in your life. And God is a God of growth. He's a God of stretching. A lot of times we don't want to be stretched in our faith because we get in a place of complacency and we get in a place of where we are comfortable, and it's a comfortable zone. And so sometimes we have to stretch ourselves beyond our capacity, beyond our limits, because there is a season that God has in us that he wants to shift us from a previous season into a new season. Now, you guys evidently a few months ago was not in this building. You guys didn't know that you're going to be in this building. Who would have imagined the transition of where you guys were to where you guys are today? Who would have imagined it would have happened? And I'm going to tell you this, Pastor Adam. You know, I know that there has been a lot of of, um, talk, if you will, of the discouragement that came to you, your family, to the congregation, to the church in those period of four years. And sometimes we look at our circumstances around where we are at and what we see with our natural eyes, we kind of get like doubtful and fearful of like, is really this where God wants me to be? Am I really doing what God wants me to do? But how many knows that when God opens up the door, can no man shut it? And it's your faithfulness, my brother. It's your faithfulness. It's your faithfulness that opened that door. I just kept hearing that in my spirit over and over. It's your faithfulness that opened that door. And here you guys are. This is a new season for this church, for Family Church. The season where you guys are in right now is a preparation for the seasons to come. 
Because people need Jesus. They need God. We're living in a situation where we are so heavily bombarded by discouragement, so heavily bombarded by depression, so heavily bombarded by division, division amongst the body of Christ. And I'm so thankful that I believe God is, is bringing in a wave of unity, of harmony in the church, the big C church and the little C church, because we need it. The enemy always attacks at your point of weakness or at your point of unity. That's why he's hungry after marriages. He's hungry after relationships. Whatever relationship you're in, if there is some type of issue, some type of conflict, you can best believe there's an enemy at work behind the scenes. And so what do we do about that? How do we engage in being discerning to where God wants to lead us? Because you guys are in a very uh, critical moment of shift in the season of where you guys are at. Every season has a cause. Somebody say cause. So my experience has been this. I didn't, I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm a preacher's kid. I was raised in ministry. And so after I got to World Harvest and I started to serve under a lot of ministries, my wife shortly, as soon as we got married, we automatically went and served under, uh, under every ministry that we served under. We did it 100%. I would tell my kids all the time, like, look, if we're going to do this, we're all in. We're going to do it all the way. We're not going to do it halfway. If it's not done with excellence, we're not going to do it. And so I remember, you know, with other ministries that I've served, we would, at one church we had it to where we were doing it at a school. And, uh, you know, we went in there. First one there was in there trying to set things up. Had my, my boys with me. They're coming in, setting up the stuff. And as I'm setting the things up, my prayer would be, Lord, this is for your kingdom. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just ask that everybody coming in here may be ministered, blessed. That was my mindset. That was my mindset. And people would ask me sometimes, like, hey, man, you ever think about starting a church? You know, I'm like, no, no, sorry. Absolutely not. Because I knew what my parents uh, dealt with. I know the sacrifice. I know the hardships. I know that. You know, it takes time away from your personal family. It takes, it's very taxing on an individual. People don't see what pastors go through, but you know what? It's hard. But it's the love of God. It's the faithfulness. It's that push to minister. It's that push to bring life to people that keeps us doing what we're doing. Because we have a heart of empowering people. We have a heart of getting people saved, getting into the kingdom. Because there will be a reap of a reward in heaven. When we see all them souls up in there and say, like, hey, hallelujah, I thank God that brother right there. I helped him get saved, Jesus. You know, we're going to get a celebration up in there. I mean, Jesus gets so excited that when one person comes to God, you know, as, the, as he said, there is a celebration in heaven. He left the 99 that was already saved to go after the one that was astray. Why? Because every person matters. Every person matters. And so here we are. We were in a place where I'm like, I don't want to start no church. But then in 2010 of December 24th, I was at a Christmas Eve service, and God messed up my plans. Soon as service started, I'm sitting on, it was a seventh row back. That's a perfect number, isn't it? Amen. Started boo-hooing, weeping. Soon as service started, my wife sitting next to me, my kids sitting next to me. You know, they're a little bit older now. This is 2010, but they were kind of younger. So they're looking at me and like, where's daddy crying? Dad, dad, you okay? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm okay, I'm all right. 
just crying and crying and crying. And my wife was looking at me like, you all right, man? I'm like, it's good, it's good, it's good. And right there is when God downloaded the vision, when he downloaded the burden, the call to plant a church. Seven years, 2010, almost eight years ago. And I'm wrestling back with God, and I'm saying, God, I don't want to do this. If you're going to do it, you have to take care of it. I don't know, how, I don't, I don't know nothing about this. I don't, I don't know. You know, yeah, my parents did it, but I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I understand the sacrifice. I understand I don't want to have nothing to do with it. And I just kept hearing the voice of God, just do it, just do it, just do it, just do it. And I said, okay. He said, if I do it, I want you to do in my family the restoration that I need for my family that's going to be a representation of what you want us to do as a church to the, to the community. And at that point, at that moment in time in my life, 2008, there was that big market crash and all that. I had lost, I had lost my job. We had lost our home. It was our new built home. We had lost it. I was broken mentally, broken financially, broken spiritually. My kids was broken. My wife was broken. We were in a place of brokenness. And in the middle of all that, God is telling us, this is what you, I want you to do. And I said, okay. I said, but you need to do this. I need my family restored. And so in that seven-year process is when God began to restore and do everything that I asked of him. He started to slowly put the pieces back together. And it was uh, November of 2017, I'm sorry, 2016, when God was like, now's the time. Now's the time. I felt that same unction that I felt seven years ago, felt that same unction. And it wasn't until I decided to step into my season that God began to open the doors to where we're at today. Um, I, I, there's a whole lot more that I can share about the testimony of our church, of what God has been doing, uh, people donating time, uh, I mean, one, one contractor that he's working with us, he's doing most of the work for free. And if I was to have been charged professionally for a contract work of what he's doing, it would have been at least $10,000. He's doing it for free. Uh, just a bunch of equipment that we've been blessed with. I mean, Family Church, you guys bless us with the uh, sound system and all that. And uh, one thing after the other, like boom, boom, boom. And God is just putting everything together. But why? Because I submitted to the season that God had me in. And so there is a cause to every season. And with, I want to say cause, C-A-U-S-E, with the C, the cause in season is this. There is commitment to the cause. There is commitment to the cause. There is communication to the cause. How many knows that without communication, in the season that you guys are in for this church, without communication and without commitment, it's not going to happen. Just simply, it's not going to happen. There's a saying that I always go by is that communication kills assumption. The enemy is a master deceiver in trying to put something in your mind about this individual, and the other individual is thinking something else about that individual, and there is no communication between the two individuals, and next thing you know, you can't even look at them. Come to church and because the seed of lies has been planted, and there's never been a authentic or a real communication between the individual. I can't tell you how many times I've had assumptions about people, and then when I would approach them and say, "Hey, man, I, 
and I, I, I don't know if I'm right or not, but I feel like there's some kind of, you know, distance. Did I do something wrong? Did I offend you in any kind of way? And then we get to communicate, and all the walls go down. <laughs> and it's like, no, man, it wasn't nothing like that at all. No, I'm just going through this at work or going through that. And has nothing to do with what I was thinking. How many relationships have we put a wedge because our assumption of something is, is wrong without communicating with the individual? Communicate with the individual. So communication and commitment, and you got to be committed. Everything happens by commitment. You know, we have a saying that at, a, at the church that says, you know, if, if you're on time, you're late. <laughs> you got to be early to be on time. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but when I go to like a restaurant or something, if they open up at 10 and I'm pulling up at 9.59, I don't see the workers walking up in there at 9.59 to get the food ready or to get the place ready. They've been there since like 4 o'clock in the morning or whatever to get the place ready for my enjoyment of the food when I come in. Church is no different. There's a lot of work that has to be done behind the scenes so that when the people come in for spiritual food, the preparation has to be there in place way ahead of time so that the encounter with God will be a more enriching one. Amen? Then there's the A. Well, first of all, I kind of skipped. <laughs> How many has ever seen birds? That I, 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 this is crazy to me. There's, there's, look, let me go to that. Uh, that uh, all right. How many has ever seen that in the air? I remember watching that one time, and I said, uh, I said, I said what's up with that? Ah, that's interesting. <laughs> see flamingos no <laughs> no so i'm looking at that i'm like so i started doing a little bit of research on that and come to find out obviously there is a purpose to that formation it's called the v formation and the purpose of that is that there is a alignment that happens with how the birds are formatted because of where they're going first of all they know they're going someplace they have a destination that they got to get to. And in order to get to that destination, there has to be an agreement among the positioning of the flight so that it could be easier for them to get to the destination, not harder. And with the A in cause for assist, if one of them gets shot and they go down, two of them comes out of formation, goes down to where they're at, and they assist them and be with them until either they get the, the bird gets well enough to fly back or the bird dies. They stay with the bird until one of those two things happen. So what does that tell me? As far as the assist is concerned, how many of us have been in a place where we were hurting or we knew somebody that was hurting and it was our obligation or our duty or our conviction to go and assist that individual and say, you know what? I got your back, man. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I know your concerns. I know your hardships. I know you felt this way about betrayal. I know you felt that way about this, about that. And we, got, and we get caught up in a situation where we feel neglected. We feel alone because the enemy loves to isolate people. He loves to isolate your mind. He loves to isolate where you're at. He loves to separate you from the flock so that he can easily manipulate your emotions and manipulate your, your purpose so that you don't have the proper purpose because there is no encouragement from the body. And so the assist allows us to go and say, hey, man, I got your back. It could be something as simple as a phone call. 
hey, man, I was just thinking about you, praying about you. You know, notice that you weren't here. Notice that you, you were going through this. Just want to let you know I'm praying for you. One call could make somebody's day, could change the way they think, like, you know what? I am, I am needed. Got, you know, somebody does care. Because all we want to know is that if, if people care about us, all of us has the need to be cared. And one thing that I, I, I really paid attention to in, in Exodus, if you will turn to, uh, well, probably most of y'all have uh, apps, phone apps or whatever. Praise God for that. I can't remember the days where people had Bibles like actual. I remember those days. <laughs> but, uh, but one thing that caught my attention, and this is where I believe the word is going to come in. in. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 17 says this, when Pharaoh, left the pe- when, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. This is Exodus chapter 13, verse 17. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them, so God led the people around the desert toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. A lot of people talk about, I don't know, you know, we hear sermons that says, oh, you know, they, they had a, 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 a trip where it, it could have lasted, you know, three days and it lasted 40 years or whatever. And, and they, they focus on that. But what I want to focus on this is the reason why, why did God have them go the long route? Why? Why couldn't God just say, here's the three-day journey. You can get there ASAP. You know, because we like things quick. Amen. We got a microwave mentality. Let's just get it done. God's like, nope. But the purpose is right there. He said, I'm not going to do it. God led them the long way. Now, think about that for a second. God himself led them the long way. Not the enemy, not themselves. God led them. Why? Because he knew that if they took the short route, when, when war would arise, the activity of the warfare would discourage them to go back to Egypt. What situation are you facing right now that there may have been a shortcut that you're trying to accomplish or that you're trying to go someplace that God has given you a dream, a vision, a goal? You know, we all have resolutions and New Year's. Here's the first month of the year, and we want to accomplish these things. And there is some resistance or some warfare going on in your life right now, and it's tempting you to go back. It's tempting you to quit. It's tempting you to give up. What are those things? And God is like, no. Because if they face it, then they're going to want to go back. So let me take them a long way. In other words, let me take them to the route where they're not even going to see the war. They're not even going to see the trouble. They're not even going to see the junk. And then they, they go all the way through the wilderness. But the wilderness sometimes can get lonely. The wilderness sometimes can bring doubts, but at least they didn't have the temptation to go back because of the activities and the warfare that was going on. And so then we come into a place of unity. That's the you and cause, unity. Nothing happens moving forward without success, without unity. There has to be unity in the body. There has to be unity in the body. God doesn't do things for in vain. My wife has a scene that always says, God doesn't waste pain. Any pain that you're experiencing, any pain that you've faced, that you've lived, tribulations, trials, hardships, relational problems that cause a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, God is not going to waste that pain. He's going to use that for his glory. He's going to use that to grow you, to mature you. He's going to use that to increase your faith in him. 
How? Seek him. There's a purpose in it. There has to be unity in the body. God giving you guys this building right here is for something so miraculous, so powerful, that it's going to take the unity of the body of this local church to make it happen. Period. Be cautious of the red flag. It Be cautious of the mindsets of, well, I don't like this individual. I don't like that. This guy's getting on my nerves. Be careful because it starts out as something funny, starts out as something like, oh, I know, but slowly but surely, the enemy is going to start putting a layer upon a layer upon a layer of division. And next thing you know, you really can't stand the person. Next thing you know, bitterness starts to come in because he attacks the point of agreement every time. He attacks the point of unity every time. He did it at the Garden of Edom, and, uh, and nothing's going to change from that. I heard a preacher one time, a long time ago say, the devil's got the same tricks. Why? Because it's working. It works. Simple as that. So understanding what we're looking for or, or understanding what we are facing should give us a better understanding of a perception of how we view those temptations. Okay, devil, I see what you're trying to do. I don't think so. Let me get into my prayer closet. Let me, you know, adjust this individual. Things are not the way it seems. Communication kills assumptions. So there's got to be unity. And then I like the, I like the S. That's for strategy. Now, in strategy, there is a spirit realm and there is a natural realm. We all know that, right? I know that for, for most of us, you know, there is an infatuation. The world has an infatuation with the supernatural. Because things that, are, that we don't understand with our minds, we're, we're intrigued by it. We're infatuated by it. There is such a thing as demon possession. There is such a thing as demonic activity. There is a dark spiritual world that we face that we don't see with our natural eyes, but it exists. As I mentioned to you guys, I'm from Brazil, but what I didn't tell you earlier is that my parents, before they got saved, they used to be in Satanism, and they would worship the occult in Brazil. And so they would go, my mom would tell me all these different stories about what they would do and how the enemy would treat them. And when they would give pretty much rain and open up their spirits to that dark world, the enemy did have possession and authority over them to the point that it would, it, one time my dad had, had, was caused with a certain kind of, uh, a cri he crippled, you know, the devil crippled him a certain way because he wouldn't do something that the devil wanted him to do. And I'm, this ain't no, you know, spooky, ooky, you know, something that is not true. This is like, it's real. My dad had an experience one time when he, he, uh, he said that he was on a bed, and he actually got into like, a, I forget what the name is called in, in English, but um, where he saw himself lift from the body, and he saw himself looking at his own body on his, on his bed. And there was, it was a, a, a night where he was having it, where there was a spiritual warfare going on, and he was praying against, uh, you know, the, this is after he got saved, and he was praying against the spirit. And so he saw himself warring in the spirit realm with his body. And so the strategy of the enemy is to, just like we have military rankings and military strategy, there is a strategy that the enemy wants to put in place to keep you in your season of defeat, to keep you in your season of doubt, to keep you in your season of, you know, 
of doubting what God's power or what God's capability is upon your life to keep you in a season of discouragement, of depression. He wants to keep you there. But there's a strategy on the other side, too, that says that God, Jesus himself, is praying on your behalf. Jesus himself is, is activating angels. We, we have warring angels, guarding angels for our protection. And sometimes we can, actually all the time, we can use our mouths, our tongues, our lips to activate the angels on our behalf. This is a war. This is a war that we're living in. And so the last one that I want to mention is this, which I think is one of the best ones, is, is E for in the causes for energy con conservation. The reason why they fly in that pattern is because by, based on the, the dimensions and the, uh, and the wind resistance, by flying in that formation, it reduces the wind resistance for the individuals, you know, flying around. And, and uh, they have made studies and said that they are able to fly, now check this out, they're able to fly 70% farther by being in that formation. Now, I know as pastors and as laborers, we can get burned out from ministry. I've been there. I've lived it. I've seen a lot of people, you know, a lot of uh, pastors, my own family, my own parents, you know, sometimes they'll go into seasons of, of being worn out and burnt out. But if we can have, in, if we can get into a pattern, if we can get in a situation where we are in a formation, in a spiritual formation to allow us to move further, to go further, you guys being here is... <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about a 70% increase, that's more like a 500% increase. I mean, from where you guys were to where you guys are going, there is a place in a, in a, a, a season right now where God is just like going to be showing you guys to no limits, to no limits. There is a place that we can come in God where we have full surrender to him, full surrender, full surrender. And I wanted to share something that there, there's a story that I want to say. If I can get the, uh, the worship team to come up, because I'm going to close. I just wanted to, uh, to, to share something. There, there's a story that says there was a little boy. He had a, a, a little boat. And it was amongst the little, uh, little pond thing. And the wind was kind of uh, drawing his boat away from from you know from the shore there he was standing there and, and, and the, the boat kept going on and he tried to reach the boat and it was getting farther and farther and farther and little boy was like well I'm like what else can I do he, so he just started hey somebody help me get my boat help me get my boat and there was a gentleman you know not too far off from him and the gentleman starts to get these big old rocks and starts throwing at the boat and the little boy's like what what, what are you doing, man? Hey, what, what? you know, he's trying to strike down little boys, little boys in terror, and and he threw it and and kept throwing these big rocks, and the guy kept missing the boat, and so the boy's like, oh, he's a bad shot, anyways. I'm good. And then slowly, what he was doing was launching the rocks in front of the boat, and as it landed, the ripple would kind of try to push the boat back, and so he just kept throwing the rocks. And sure enough, with every ripple, the boat just kept coming back towards the shore. And the boy finally got the boat back. And I want to say this. How many of us sometimes 
don't understand the process that God has you in right now. There's a place. All of us is uh, the world is so focused on destinations. It, uh, all we think about is 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 the final. You know, just the destination. The best. That's all we care about. Destination. Destination. But I've learned. I've lived long enough to understand that. To me, the journey should be just as enjoyable as the destination. The process should be just as enjoyable as the destination. Because if we if we if we despise the process, we're going to be more unhappy than happy. There is a purpose for the process. There's a purpose to why God wants to stretch you. Everything that you're going through in your life right now, uh, most of us can say almost all the time that we're living in some type of season that we don't like, that we don't enjoy, or that we have a certain issue or this or that. But the process is necessary for the destination. It's necessary for where God wants to bring you to. And it's necessary for where God wants to bring family church and Harmony Church for that matter. And so I want to leave you with a verse of scripture, which is Jeremiah 29, 11, <coughs> that says how God's plans for us is to what? To prosper us, to bless us, to encourage us, to keep us. If y'all would just stand for a minute. Let's not, let's not forget this. The same God that had gotten them out of Egypt is capable of keeping you or keeping them from Egypt. What place in your life did God take you from? What testimony do you have in your life? Because all of us have some kind of testimony that we can look back and say, man, God did this for me. He took me out of this situation. He gave me encouragement here. He gave me, you know, discernment there. He gave me a blessing there. We all have a testimony to live by. And if God is, is a God who is big enough to bring you out of those circumstances, he's a God that's big enough to keep you from those circumstances. Don't look back. Don't go back. Don't go back to that. Amen.